Well, good morning, church family. If you have your Bible, turn in those to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, that is where we will read and we will study together. We are in for a special treat. My friend, my brother, my fellow elder is preaching today. Jason Espy is preaching on Psalm 119. Today we read verses 1 through 11. If you have your Bible, I would encourage you to follow along. I'm using the New American Standard 1995 edition. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies and seek him with all their hearts. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all of your commandments. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. How can a young person keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word? With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Thus says the Lord. Amen. I think we should just not... Listen to me and get PJ back up here and let's just keep on worshiping, right? <laughs> you know, I was just, just taken back. The reality is one day we're going to be doing that around his throne. One day it'll be face to face with Christ. One day we'll be in his presence. Emmanuel with us. He came once and he'll come again. He promised it. He did it the first time. His scriptures foretold it. He came bodily. Once again, he will come again and reign from the great city of Jerusalem. The great king finally on his throne. The rightful heir of all things. The one who bled for our sins. The one who took our sins in his body. He took your sins in His body and carried them up to the cross. We can't ever let this get old. We can't ever let this get old. Let's pray. Father, thank You that we can call You Father because of Jesus. We're almost 2,000 years since He's been here. We're miles away from where he lived, over an ocean, in the south, and we're gathering to worship him. Truly, he is the Messiah to Israel, and truly, he is the light to the Gentiles. God in the flesh. Father, I ask you to help us today to come to you in humility to come to you with a contrite heart, to put all distractions away, and to seek you. Jesus, you said, where two or three are gathered in my name, that means for my purposes, in my character, that you will be with us in the flesh, or in the spirit. You're here. You're here. You're the one who walks amidst the candlesticks meaning the churches. You are sovereign over your church. 
Father, help us to respond to your word. Help us to tremble before your word. Help us to take it seriously. Help us to hear you speak into our hearts today. Father, I ask you, let us catch a glimpse of your radiance that Isaiah saw and that the psalmist also saw. Let your name be magnified and give us an an understanding by your spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, Lord. Amen. So I want to thank you all. Um, over the last about four years, me and my family have been here, and you guys have opened your arms up to us, and um, you've welcomed us as family, and I thank you. You know, that's what church is. We're family. We're the family of God now. We're His family. And uh, I thank you. You know, our hearts are being knit together as they should be. You know, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. For family, and I just want to thank you um, for this. And I want to thank Byron. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you for coaching me through this and and giving me pointers and just sitting there and basically giving me a a, uh, a college education right there on preaching. <laughs> and um, anyway, I just I just want to thank you all. Um, I'm honored to be here. I'm honored that you guys let me serve as your elder. And I've been doing this since last October. And uh, anyway, I just want to say that um, we need to be praying for Byron and his family uh, because there's real spiritual attack that comes on the one who brings the word. And um, if you are not aggressively praying for him in your prayer closet, I want to encourage you to do so. And, um, you know, he, he gives his life for our benefit. And, uh, you know, he's the shepherd over this church. God has placed him there. And I thank him. Uh, but there's real spiritual warfare. Uh, he asked me to preach last October. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but I've, I've felt the spiritual warfare in, in, at times in, intensely. And uh, it's real. It's, it's real. We're really in a spiritual battle. And the enemy hates the word of God and he hates it coming from a heart that is catching, catching the father's heart. And Byron is catching the father's heart and he wants to deliver his message to us. So please be praying for him. Pray for his family. Um, for me, this feels like a long time coming uh, because I feel like I've been called to preach since I was little or maybe not little, maybe more like a teenager. But it was... I couldn't believe that God would want somebody like me to preach. I didn't think I had anything to offer, and I ran from God. Uh, starting in my teenage years, I ran from him, but fully I started running from him in my 20s. And the reality was that I wanted to experience the pleasures of sin. But there was a moment in a church service much like this, where I heard the enemy whisper to me, If you give your life to God, he's going to ruin it. And I bought it. I bought that lie. I wanted to experience the pleasures of sin. And I gave myself to going down that path. Uh, This resulted in addictions to substances and other things. But what it really did, it, it grew my enslavement to sin. 
and to self in my heart. I was bound in my heart. By the time I was 35, I was full of anger and rage, lust and selfishness. And what I was empty of was love. I was empty of it. And I was void of hope and I didn't know it. I didn't even know I was void of hope. I had no hope. I was hopeless. I was even suicidal at times. But God, in His stubborn, wonderful, persistent love, won my heart a little over six years ago. And uh, there was two things that God confronted me with. Um, and it was, one, the truth and power of the Scriptures. I became so thirsty to know what truth was. Because I didn't know what truth was. I believed, I, I would fall for different things. I thought, well, okay, that sounds like that could be true. And I would go that way. And I'd find out it was empty. And I'm talking about different types of doctrines. Um, but my parents raised me. They raised me that the, the Bible is true. They raised me that Jesus is the Son of God. They raised me that this was important. And um, I knew it. I knew it. I knew Jesus is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. I became so hungry for truth. I went after it like crazy. And I had to know what truth was. And I'll tell you, there is power in the Scriptures. There's power over sin through the Word of God. And in God, He showed me that I was personally guilty before Him. Because of my sin. I didn't believe, I didn't know that I was guilty before Him until He showed me I was. I believe this lie that God grades on a curve. That'd be nice if He did, but the reality is He doesn't. And His way is perfect. He does not grade, grade on a curve. So I want to say today, I want to talk to you about loving Scripture and how this is a defense against sin. And I want to cry out to you, and I want to appeal to you to turn to God with all of your heart. Not just a little bit. Don't hold anything back from Him. Don't believe the lie that I did in my 20s. Here's the reality. God will not ruin your life. He's not going to. The truth is, and I hope you can hear me, you're not really alive until... You give Him all of your life until you give Him your heart. Until you say, I'm yours. I'm yours. Until He becomes your master, your father, your savior and friend, and all the other things that He's going to reveal. You're not alive. The wages of sin is death. And you're not really living if you're going after sin. So the title of my message is Loving Scripture, A Defense Against Sin, comes from Psalm 119.11. Your word have I treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Let's talk about that word treasuring. So, you know, the Scriptures say that we have to believe. You know, another way of saying it is that we trust. I heard one preacher say, belief and trust is treasuring. That is another aspect of believing, is treasuring. So... What are you treasuring? What are you treasuring in this life? Are you treasuring things that bring you closer to God? 
Are you treasuring God himself? Are you treasuring Jesus? Are you? What are you treasuring? Are you going after the riches of this age? Are you going after their opinions? Are you treasuring God's word? I want to ask you another question, if if you'll allow me. (laughs) Do you realize that you and I are in a spiritual battle? Do you believe that you have an enemy? Do you know it? Do you believe it? So our battle is against the devil, the flesh, and the world system. This is what the Bible says. All of these are vehemently against God and His Son and their kingdom in our hearts. They're against God establishing His kingdom in us. They want to rob us of our faith and our love of Jesus. They want to diminish that. So let me just go to some, just some scriptures. Let me skip the stone across uh, the scriptures a little bit. Just maybe, hopefully, if you're not convinced of that, let me maybe listen to these scriptures and, and you'll help be convinced of that. So Paul in Ephesians says, Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Peter, in his first letter, urges the brethren, abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against your soul. Paul in Romans 8 tells us that the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. And again in Galatians he says that the flesh and the spirit are in opposition to one another. Paul tells his spiritual son, join me as a soldier in Christ. And again, he says, fight the good of fight of faith as as his life is about to be poured out. So let me ask you, are you getting the picture? Do you hear this language? The life of faith is a call to fight. Waking up to this reality that you have an enemy and that you are called to resist the devil, his world system, and your flesh is my first point. We've got to become awake to this, guys. Alright, let's, so let's talk about how to resist and strategize for victory. Because we have a victorious king. We have a victorious king that has broken the power of sin. He's, he's broken the curse over it. But you have to come to him and give him your life. So let's let's talk about the first thing. The first thing that that I want to say is that um, this doesn't get talked about much in in church circles anymore. And and I I can't really understand why. uh, But we must start by talking about the fear of the Lord. We have to. And I can understand a little bit why. It has been abused at times where if you hear the fear of the Lord, and if you do hear this, that that God is a dictator and that you must cower in fear of him. That's not what the scriptures teach, and that's not what it means. Um, so, what the scriptures show is it's not something bad. It's actually good. And in Isaiah, uh, there was there was uh, it goes into saying what the spirits are. They're resting on Christ, and it actually said that he delighted in the fear of the Lord. You know, Jesus said, I've, "I can only do what my Father says," and we might hear. That this is something kind of like, he's got my hand shackled. <laughs> no, Jesus was the most freest man that has ever walked this earth. He was free. And the thing that he wanted to do was his father's will. 
It's because he feared him. And he did this to show us this is how we're supposed to do it. We are to delight in, in doing what God says. So, the fear of God is actually something good. And Solomon teaches us that the beginning of wisdom, or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, and he says, he goes on to saying that the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So wisdom, knowledge of God as the Holy One, we're not holy in and of ourselves. He is the Holy One. He's the only Holy One. And understanding, all have their roots in fearing the Lord. In, Saul, in, in another proverb, he's, we are commanded, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. His father, King David, taught him in the 34th Psalm about the fear of the Lord. He says that the fear of the Lord is to keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Uh Uh-oh, we're all in trouble. (laughs) Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. This is beautiful. The next thing he says is the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. And his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. I don't know if you saw that. I don't know if you saw that shift. God knows we can't do this on our own. He knows it. He knows that the only chance we have is for Him to do it through us. And we must yield ourselves to Him. When He says the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry. Do you know that God's ears are open to your cry? Do you know that He wants to hear you crying out to Him? With everything. He wants it. I want my children, I want them to come to me with everything. I don't ever want them to, to, to not bring something to me. Um, and I'm just an earthly guy. How much more our Father in Heaven who's perfect. King David will again show us in Psalm 103 that God's loving kindness and compassion is reserved for those who fear Him. So maybe this is just an Old Testament concept. Let's, let's go to the New Testament see what it says. Let's ask Jesus. What does he say? So Jesus says in Matthew 10, And do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. So don't fear man. Don't fear him. But rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. In multiple places, Paul tells us to fear the Lord even describing it as the fear of Christ in Ephesians 5. Peter tells us to conduct ourselves in fear during our time here on, on earth. Why? Why does he say that? Because our Heavenly Father, he'll go on to say, that our Heavenly Father is also the judge of all the earth. And he doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't grade on a curve. He will judge us based upon what we do. Namely, what we do with His beloved one. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Will you keep His word, Jesus' word? Will you keep it? Jesus said, He who has my commandments and keeps them, this is the one who loves me. Um, I know PJ is always talking, talking about reminding us that 
We're called to obey. And, uh, you know, this is, this is what Jesus says. If you, if you really say you love me, keep my words. Keep them. Obey them. All right. So this brings us to my main point. Loving Scripture. Let me ask you some questions. Again, I like asking questions. I hope that's okay. <laughs> do you love Scripture? And I'm not asking, do you know Scripture? You know, that's one thing I love about this, this congregation, about this fellowship, is the elevation of the Word of God here. You know, we're in a time and age where anything can be truth, right? That's what we're told by the world. Hey, my truth, your truth, whatever. Just do it, you know? Whatever. It doesn't matter. As long as it doesn't hurt me, you can do whatever you want. But the reality is, and what I love, what I love about this church, no, we will live under the authority of the Scriptures. This is God's message to us. This is His unveiling to us, is the Scriptures. God wants to be known. Do you, do you realize that God wants to be known? You know, that's a lie, another lie that the enemy whispers to us, is you can't know God. Well, yeah, you're right. We can't know God unless He reveals Himself to us. And He has revealed Himself to us. In the name, Jesus is the Father's revelation to us. Alright, where am I? Uh, so, alright, do you luxuriate and feast upon God's Word? Do you meditate on it day and night? And I don't, I don't mean, do you only just, is that your only thought? Of course, when we go through our day, we gotta think about our daily tasks and all that. I'm saying, is it like a magnet to you, drawing you back day and night, uh, to it? And I know there's seasons. Listen guys, I know there's seasons where we go where, where it's a grind. You know, it's a rat race. We, we have to do A, B, and C and then it's bedtime. Um, you know, I, I get that. I got three little kids. <laughs> when, when I put my son down to sleep, I go to bed and, and I'm, I say my body gives me 50 words in, in a book and then I'm out. <laughs> it shuts me down. He's like, that's enough. You're done. Um, <laughs> uh, but is it like a magnet to you? Is God's word like a magnet to you where that's what you're thinking? You know, you're thinking about, you're pondering it. Um, and not because you want to be a good, dutiful Christian. Or you're trying to learn your lessons that you have to teach the next day, you know, to Sunday school class. I'm asking you, have you caught a glimpse of the majesty of the King? And you want to know more about Him and His ways, His thoughts, why He thinks the way He does, what He values as important, what He loves and what He hates. You want to know His affections and His nearness. When you think of the Scriptures, do you think of them as just an instruction manual? There are instructions, but they are so much more. Or do you think of them as the finest course meal that you could ever have? Do you mold them over like a cup of fine coffee from Ethiopia with blueberry floral notes? <laughs> Or a perfectly brewed cup from Guatemala with the sharp citrus notes. I like coffee, all right? <laughs> we got a uh, dish towel this, this Christmas says that, that our house runs on 
runs on Jesus and coffee. Or did I get it, did I get it right? Or is it the other, other way around? Okay. Um, so do you see Scripture? This, this is going to get you hungry. This is going to get you excited for, for, for lunch. But do you see Scripture as like a, a, a uh, perfectly smoked brisket with the, with the perfect charred smoked flavor? Do you see it as the finest chocolate? Do you see it as sweeter than honey? You know, this is the way the Scriptures describe itself. Do you see it as a gold mine that requires you to enter the dark, the darkness with your tools and muscles to unearth the treasure? This is treasure. God's Word is treasure. You know, um, Derek Kindred, he describes Psalm 119. Let me, oh, I forgot what he described it as. Where is it? The rich and precious jewel of the word. And I was thinking about just that phrase, and I was like, that's exactly what the Bible is to the world. It is the rich and precious jewel from God. Um, I remember a story by David Ravenhill. He's the son of the famous revivalist Leonard Ravenhill. And he gave an illustration of uh, when him and his wife were dating and they'd be separated. And he describes the fervency that he would talk about pouring over the letters um, from, from his future wife. And uh, he would say he'd rip the, you know, that letter out of his mom's hand. And he would pour over it, just going over it, you know, a bunch of times. And it reminds me of when, when me and Jessica were dating. We didn't do letters, but we did AOL Messenger. Anybody remember that? And we would, we'd stay up late into the hours just, just typing. I was, in, I was in another city uh, thousands of miles away. And I, I mean, those, those get saved, you know, those messages get saved. I'd, when we were offline, not talking, I'd go back and just pour over them. What'd she say? Oh, she said this. And, you know, it, it would warm my heart. That's what the scriptures are like. These are the love letters from God. And um, anyway, so what time do I have to go to? Huh? Oh, my goodness. I'm like even getting close getting this done. So... I had 48 verses that I wanted to go through. We're not doing that because of, of time's sake. Um, I will stick to 1 through 11, so let's do that. Will you open your Bibles with me in, to Psalm 119? And uh, oh, this goes quick. So I'm using this phrase, feasting upon the Word of God. We've got to change our mindsets to feast upon the Word of God. I believe with all my heart that God wants to increase his people's love at this time. Not just, I don't mean like just now. I mean in this season of life in history. He wants to increase his people's love for his word. I believe that. I believe, and not only that, this isn't just for uh, super Christians or whatever you want to call them. This is for you. If you have God's Spirit in you, this is normal Christianity to love His Word. This is normal life. Spirit, this is normal life. He puts His Spirit in us. And you remember when Jesus was in the desert and the devil came to Him and tipped Him to do something He shouldn't be doing? What did He say? Somebody, somebody tell me. 
What is that? Yes, I had forgotten already. Man should not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word is precious. Alright, so let's go to Psalm 119. And the thing that I really want you to capture is the heart cry of this psalm. I'm not going to talk about the structure. The man who composes is a genius. An absolute genius. But that structure, if we just focus on that, it can become a distraction. Go in your, in your, in your off time and look at it. And just marvel at it. It's wonderful. I, I really am tempted to talk about the structure. It's amazing. Uh, but there's 22 stanzas of eight verses. And um, it can seem re- repetitive. But this was like, you're pulling back the curtain to his prayer closet. And he is in love with God. He has caught a glimpse of the king. And he says, I want to follow you better. That, that's his heart cry. He can't settle for a mediocre relationship with God. So because we are in a spiritual war, we need to grow in our fearing of God. And, and we need to feast on his word. Alright, so let's just go through these first two stanzas. The first four verses, first three verses, I'm sorry. He's going to give, uh, he's going to say these are the blessings of the ones who go after the Lord, basically. The fourth verse is him saying, basically, this is God's best plan for your life. Is to follow after God's details. Don't just get the generalities. Go after the details of God's heart. And seek them with all of your heart. And then verse 5 on through the next 176 verses um, is him crying out to God. I love your word. I want to love it better. Alright, so let's just read this. And I want you to hear. Put on a lens of hearing um, the heart of this man. Verse 1. How blessed are those whose way is blameless. Who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe His testimonies. Who seek Him with all of their heart. They also do know in righteousness. They walk in His ways. Verse 4. You have ordained your precepts. That means details. That we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Statutes is just a, another way of saying a regulation that God has ordained forever. So he's saying, please make my ways established that I may keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. And let me ask you, let me just pause right there, time out, and ask you a question. In, in a confession, there's times when I look upon God's word and I'm ashamed because of things that I've allowed in my life or I'm much seeking after him with all my heart and I know it. And the scripture says, if we go after him with all of our heart, we don't have to be ashamed. And, you know, and another thing I want to say is God's not after perfection in us. I want you to hear that. He's not after uh, just perfection. He's after a heart that's all of his. And it says, I'll follow you. When I do sin, I'm going to run to you and come after you. God isn't, isn't saying, you broke, the, you broke my rule, I'm going to smack you down. He's not saying that. He's saying, come to me. I want to fill you up afresh. 
All right, let's go back to verse 7. He says, I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart. Don't you want uprightness of heart? He says, when I learn your righteous judgments, guys, I got to tell you, God's judgments are righteous. He knows how to judge perfectly. We don't. We don't know how to value judge perfectly. He does. And he closes this stanza in verse 8. I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. So God's best design for us is to follow after him with all, all of our heart. All right, let's go. Let's do the next, next, uh, next eight verses. How can a young man keep his way pure? That's what we're made for. We're made for purity. By keeping it according to your word. Don't give in to the world. Go after God. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. What's that famous uh, hymn? Uh, about um, feeling, you know, being drawn away from the Lord. I can't remember exactly how it goes. Prone to wander, oh Lord, I feel it. Thank you. <laughs> That's all of us. We all have those moments of wondering, Lord, I need you to keep me. And he will. He will. Verse 11, your word I have treasured in my heart. I've believed it. I've trusted it. I've treasured it. That I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. So God's word is better than all the earthly riches. And it leads to purity. It leads to a clean conscience. And that's the best thing is to have a clean conscience before the Lord. Um, all right. So there are action words. And I invite you. I really invite you. Go after this psalm. Even if you don't go after this psalm, get in the word. Get in the word. Um, but there are action words in uh, in Psalm 119. He walks after the law. He observes his testimony. He seeks him with all his heart. He keeps his precepts diligently. He's treasuring his word, God's word in his heart. He's telling with his lips all the instructions from God's mouth. And he's rejoicing. He's rejoicing in God's testimonies. He's delighting. In his laws. When was the last time you delighted in God's word and rejoiced in what God's doing in the earth? Come on, that's what we're made for. We're made to rejoice and delight in him. Hmm. Okay, let's, let's get through five more pages in five minutes. Sorry, man. <laughs> All right, quick review. We're in a spiritual warfare. We're called to fight the fight of faith. 
we do this by fearing the Lord and, and treasuring His Word. Okay, this is huge right here. This is huge. We, another way to help us combat sin and love God is to bask in God's love for you. We have to bask in God's love for us. Jesus came to reveal the Father's love and affections for us. What's that famous verse? For God so loved the world. Don't forget this. Don't forget that God loves this world. He loves everybody. He loves you. You are uniquely created by Him. You matter to Him. He cares so much about you. Don't believe the lie that God doesn't care about you. God cares about you. He cares about you. You must keep your heart ever in the sunshine of God's love for you. His love, it's vast. It's unmeasured. It's boundless. It's free. As the hymnist puts it, in the deep, deep love of Jesus. The psalmist says, As far as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. Jesus, or the, the, the Gospel of John said, this is one of my favorite phrases in the, whole, in the whole Bible, Jesus loved His own to the end. To the very end. And He's promised He will be with us to the end of this age. Jesus says, just as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. That's incredible. Just as the Father has loved the Son, that's how He loves us. I don't even want to try to unpack that. I haven't meditated. I haven't thought about that. that except to, think, to say, from eternity past, from, with truthfulness, God, is, God loves us. That's how Jesus loves us. If you are in Christ, nothing's going to separate you from His love. He loves you. He will love you to the end. Jude, in his epistle in the 20th verse, says, But you, beloved, do you see yourself as beloved? If you're, if you're His, you are beloved. You're the saints. Keep yourselves in the love of God. I'm sorry. Build, uh, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God. Friend, keep yourselves in the love of God. Live, stay, keep in the Father and the Son's great love for you. Alright, quickly. Uh, Alright. Quickly, let's talk about... Uh, those are positive. Let's, let's talk about what hinders. Sin is what hinders... And God hates sin. It's destructive. He hates it. It's destructive. And He hates it when His children don't take Him serious on the issue. We have to take Him serious on the issue. Yes, Jesus came to defeat sin. And He defeated it. Don't allow it in your lives anymore. Don't allow it in your lives. So quickly, let's look at the story of the children of Israel. 
at the Battle of Jericho, God put a ban on the precious metals. He said, y'all are going to, I'm going to do this, I'm going to have this victory for you. Do not touch the gold, the silver, all those things. But one man named Achan didn't value God's word or his character. And he lusted after that treasure. And he took some and hid it under his tent. And that's just, I mean, he literally put it under his tent. That's such a picture of hidden sin. And he got found out. And I find it very interesting that the scriptures say that he transgressed, and that's another way of saying sin, against the covenant of the Lord. What was the covenant? That God was going to give them the land. He didn't have to steal that. That was going to be his by inheritance. But he didn't trust God. He didn't take him serious at his word. He didn't believe that God was going to come through with his promises. And in the next battle, they were defeated. It caused the death of soldiers because of this one man's sin. In the destruction of Achan and his family and all his possessions, God is serious about hidden sin. Maybe God has changed. You know, maybe post-cross of Christ, he's changed. Not a chance. And the scriptures show this. Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament had a similar fate when they put the Holy Spirit to the test. They lied about, bold-faced lied, about how much they sold a piece of property for. And on the spot, and I believe with great sadness, God stopped their breathing. He is serious about sin. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount to perform spiritual violence on anything that causes you to sin in your life. You must cut it off, even if it is a vital part of you, such as an eye or a hand. I don't know about you, I like my eyes and hands. <laughs> but if those things are causing you to sin, he says it is better for one part of you to perish than for you to be thrown into hell. He's serious. Unbelief in the goodness of God and that he will keep his word and this will hinder your faith. Unbelief is evil. It resists the speaking of the Holy Spirit to you and it hardens your heart. This leads to self-deception. So, God's, if you're his, he's not going to kill you because you have sin. He is saying, come to me so that we can deal with this. That's what, that's what Hebrew 12 tells us. It says that his discipline is even better than the best earthly father's discipline. He disciplines us for our good. If we allow ourselves to be trained by his discipline, we'll have peace and righteousness. And then lastly, I want to say this about what uh, hinders is not knowing who you are in Christ. You must know who you are in Christ. You are a new creation. You're a new creation. You have been chosen before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless before this perfect and loving God in love. God has lavished all his spiritual blessings on you in Christ. He is not holding a single thing back. You have been chosen to walk in his works. He, before the foundations of the world, he chose things for you to do. And he wants to put his spirit inside of you so you can accomplish those things. And you're called to proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. One of your main purposes is, is to proclaim his excellencies. I can't skip this last page for sake of time. I have to say it. All right. Do you remember how the book of Hebrews starts? 
And it starts like this. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son. The one who spoke this world into existence by his word. Remember that? It all started by the word of God. He spoke all of this into existence. He has now spoken his last word. It is Jesus. Let's turn to him quick. Let's turn to him and lift him up. Have you ever wondered what God is like? He is exactly like Jesus. And that, that passage in Hebrews, it will go on to say that he is the exact representation of, of the Father. The radiance of his glory. Jesus came to give us life. The message of Jesus on the cross is that God would rather suffer excruciating pain than to give us what our sin deserves. Can you imagine? That's God. Tortured. He would rather taste death so that we can taste eternal life now and forevermore. He would rather taste death so that we can know the Father now and forevermore. Jesus understands grief. He understands sickness and He understands pain. The man of sorrows. He came to identify with us in our sin and brokenness so that we could identify with Him in His relationship with the Father. He suffered tremendous humiliation, mocking, beating, scourgings, rejection, being despised and betrayed, so that He could call you, brothers and sisters, if you will receive Him. The rightful King of creation, stepping down from His throne to get in the muck and mire of our sin-filled world. What a rescuer. What a friend of sinners. What a redeemer for the lost. Are you lost? I was lost. He saved me. What a tower of refuge for our fearful and weary souls. He will not turn you away. Turn to Him with all of your heart. Go after Him. I'm going to close with this. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah! What a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned He stood, sealed my pardon with His blood. Hallelujah! What a Savior. Guilty, vile, and helpless we Spotless Lamb of God was He. Full atonement. Can it be? Hallelujah! What a Savior! Lifted up was He to die. It is finished was His cry. Now in heaven exalted high. Hallelujah! What a Savior! When He comes. That's our blessed hope. That's our hope when He comes. Our glorious King. All His ransomed home to bring. This isn't our world. This isn't our home, guys. 
when He comes, our glorious King, all His ransom home to bring. Then anew the song will sing, Hallelujah! What a Savior! Let's pray. Father, thank You that You come after those who are broken, who are lost, who are sick, who are, are guilty. You come after us to give us life. I've been through seasons, Lord. I've been through times where Your Word is dull to me. It's dull. I've been disinterested sometimes. I haven't known where to start. It seems impossible to come to You at times. I felt distant from You. I felt foreign to Your Word, Lord. And I wonder, Lord, if there's some like that here today. Father, I ask You to, to encourage them to humbly come to You, to see You as arms open wide, and just start talking to You about it. Father, I ask You to convince them that You will not turn them away and you won't heap shame on them. That's not your spirit. That's not how you do it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If this is you, I also want to encourage you to share with other Christians.